This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPE puts the machine in motion. And U.S. embarks on faster path to exascale. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360, and that's Michael Feldman, editor of Top500.org. We are our friends in distributing this podcast. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? We're doing just fine this week and still catching up on a little bit of stuff uh, that, that creeped in at the end of supercomputing and one I'm glad we're going back to because we haven't, first of all, we haven't talked a whole lot about HPE recently despite the fact that they're the the number one revenue position in HPC and we did talk about that in, in regards to their merger with SGI but a big project that we haven't touched base with uh, is their their future-looking concept car for HPC called the machine, and they actually had a, a demo uh, where they they showed off some of these parts and these technologies in a very concept car kind of fashion, and you got some of the details on that. Right, they, uh, they sort of rolled this out at a conference, uh, the Discover Conference in London. Now the machine wasn't actually there; it was back in a e lab in um, in the U.S. But basically, they demonstrated. Uh, what was going on? They showed the technology. They showed the actual machine, which is just at this point looks like a uh, an experimental rack. It's about half a rack full of uh, the machine nodes, um, and they talked about the technology going in there. And it's it's basically what the uh, what they had talked about over the last few years. It's still still no memristors, which was the original impetus behind this whole thing. But they've got the optical uh, silicon photonics technology in there. They've got the uh, the, the alternate uh, memory uh, construct in there that's attached by that uh, that interconnect fabric uh, in this can in this case made up of DRAM and some uh, more traditional non-volatile memory and, uh, and a few other pieces of the technology including uh, some of the software they're working on. Yeah, it's always been an interesting idea. They talk about it as a memory-centric architecture. Now, it, for me in my own career, my heritage goes back to SGI and, and shared memory supercomputers. So I'm, I'm very familiar and comfortable with those kinds of architectures. And some of the descriptions around the machine have definitely reminded me of those uh, cache-coherent NUMA days of all the processors having access to data in memory. But what's different here seems to be not only how they're connected by bringing in these photonics, but also the types of uh, memory uh, components, the memory architectures that you have available today, where you have uh, you know faster memory components, you have flash components. They still have memristors out in the in the future on this. They delayed the memristors; they didn't cancel them. So, you know, this does have the potential to be a really low latency machine at scale. Right. I think the, the silicon photonic technology is a thing that's going to make that possible. And then the non-volatile memory technology of some sort um, is going to give them the capacity that they're, they're wishing for here. So, so part of this is, is just a pure capacity play. They, they've looked at, at machines and they realize that a lot of this, what they call in-memory computing, is being limited by the, uh, the capacity that DRAM allows, at least in any any cost-effective fashion. So moving to these uh, non-volatile technologies allows them that capacity at the, and at the current, with the current technologies at the expense of performance. So this is what they're trying to overcome, not just the connection between the, 
the distributed memory, but the actual performance of the non-volatile memory. And in that, they were originally, like we said, looking at memristors, but now HPE is looking at other technologies, in particular in a collaboration with SanDisk, who's working on resistive RAM, uh, and they're maybe looking at that as at least as an interim uh, solution to high-performance non-volatile memory technology, maybe in, in two or three years as this thing starts to become uh, more of a reality. Yeah, and it's entertaining to think about uh, the kinds of applications that this could really be used for. Now, anything where you have trouble with data locality, that's really what you're talking about with these kinds of architectures, where it's very difficult to plan that you want this job to be close to this data. Things that have a high degree of mesh refinement or a lot of analytics applications, honestly, where you've got needle sure. and haystack kinds of problems. Uh, so everything from uh, from weather simulation and climate modeling all the way to big data and analytics, it, you can find these pockets of applications that, that really require better access to data at scale for these large applications. Now, the other thing that I think about anytime you see a, a demo like this is to what extent are you going to see this as a platform that incorporates all of these technologies, the concept car has come to market versus the independent technology starts showing up in other platforms in different ways. And really, I don't have a problem with it either way. I, you're, you're showing off your, your future-looking technologies in multiple dimensions at once, and I think we could see aspects of both. Yeah, I, I think we could. Now, this is the first time they actually talked about it uh, in the – in, in the former sense, that is, rolling them out into different products. Um, you know, they talked about the, uh, the silicon photonics part, rolling out into some of the synergy products that, that HP has on the, on the shelf, and, and some of the other um, memory technologies rolling out into the ProLiant line as well. I mean, you've got to believe that they're not going to change their entire portfolio to look like the machine, at least not, not in any uh, no, of course not. reasonable time frame. Um, but some of these technologies are going to solve certain problems in those in those uh, those product lines that that are going to accelerate them to make them more cost effective or whatever. Um, I don't think it's going to be all like that. I think the fact that these are essentially what we would call maybe supercomputing technologies uh, maybe allows for a future where they're going to actually build a platform with all of these things incorporated and integrated more or less like what we're seeing in a future uh, supercomputer, either a, you know, a very high-end system above and beyond, let's say, what we were thinking about the Apollo line or maybe in the Apollo line itself at some future date, um, especially as we approach sort of this exascale level of computing. In fact, they, they even mentioned exascale in the, in the run-up to the the machine, the write-up, and as they were talking about it. So, especially when you look at, you know, the acquisition of, of SGI and right. sort of their ambitions in in this area, it, it's not too much of a uh, a leap of faith to think they're actually going to put the machine into some platform that's going to incorporate, if not all of the technology, certainly a lot of this in a fashion that's integrated in, in much of what we see in the prototype. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Coming back around to that acquisition of SGI, that it, it adds yet another wrinkle to all of this, that it does give them access to uh, some memory technologies that SGI has had in terms of those architectures and and gives them another venue for the deployment of some of these future-looking technologies uh, that they're designing in the machine. 
So it's it's definitely going to be an interesting interesting uh, uh, product project platform that we want to continue to track with the machine. Now you you mentioned the run up to Exascale, and let's talk about that a little bit here because also this week in HPC sources are telling us that there's a change to the Exascale computing project out of the United States Department of Energy that's going to look at a new path that was not one of the ones already being explored in Coral for a novel architecture that could get the U.S. to exascale earlier than the uh, previous timeline, as early as, what did we say, 2021? 20, 2021, right in the new timeline. So let's uh, let's back up. So this was basically a, a little bit of a rumor for a while, and I got keyed into it by somebody in the industry. And I ended up talking to Paul Messina about it, who, who's the director of the Exascale Computing Project that's being run under the DOE. Um, and this happened very recently. I guess there were some meetings this summer and uh, between basically DOE headquarters and some of the, the DOE labs, and people were starting to think differently about the timeline. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Paul didn't go into that much detail about what was behind that, but, you know, you've got to think that there's been, you know, various kinds of pressure put on some of these people to to get a system out there earlier since a lot of the countries are talking about systems in the 2020 and 2021 timeframe now, and it looks like, you know, the U.S. is too far behind. Plus, a lot of these labs, I think, just want these systems sooner. They're, they, they, want, they want their timeline to be compressed in the sense that it would be nice to have a system at least out there to, to share between some of the labs if, if they had something in closer to the 2020 timeframe. And what they've done basically is put uh, an extra exascale architecture in, into the mix. And they're, they're, they're going to solicit uh, uh, basically a set of technology and, a, and an architecture that can get them there in 2021. And what they're characterizing it as is as a novel architecture. Now, you know, you might think, well, all of these are novel Ooh, architectures. Novel. What's it going to yeah. be? I mean, it's it's you know they're talking about innovation here, but they're all innovative and you know related to, in relation to what we have today. But here, I think they're looking from what Paul described it as something sort of out of the mainstream. In other words, you know, we've sort of got um, you know a timeline we see from IVM and Nvidia. Well, yeah, there's, we, we've there's got two architectures. We've got two yeah. architectures in Coral. One is an it was a power it, plus GPU architecture, and right. there's an Intel architecture. Right, which so, is based on Xeon Phi and, and right. the, the future of that. So, right, we've got these two sort of mainstream architectures out there. And what Paul is saying is they're going to look for a, a third alternative or maybe a second alternative to the ones that are going to come out in the 2023 timeframe. Here they want to get the deployment in 2021 and maybe um, uh, being accepted maybe even later that year or at least at the latest 2022. So bringing it in by at least a year and maybe a little bit more to get this sort of uh, this this rogue uh, this rogue system with uh, that's not in the mainstream right now uh, into the mix for the DOE. Yeah, see, that's what really um, surprises me in terms of it being what looks like a change in direction. That you know, in as much as other countries had exascale projects that could. 
get them to annex a flop on top 500 more quickly. The DOE has always maintained a position that they didn't want to do a stunt system. Now, I'm not claiming that this is one necessarily, but that was why they were committed to these two architectures through the Coral uh, Initiative, which is meant to be the pre-exascale systems. Now we're talking about this other option. And, you know, w- what does that mean it is if it's not one of these other ones? Is it, maybe it's an ARM system. That w- would maybe be the likeliest thing that's not one of the other options they're they're already talking about and would mimic uh, where Japan is going with their post-K architecture that's going to be based on ARM. But now you're going to come out with a system that's ARM or, or yet again something else before you're getting to the exascale systems based on uh, power and GPU or, or Intel Xeon Phi. So, you know, it, is this a stunt system? Is this something else? I, I kind of have more questions than answers at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it does beg the question, if, is it going to be a one-off system or not? I mean, they're they're trying to get something out extra early. Now, if they wanted just to accelerate the uh, the program, they could have just brought in the sort of the mainstream pro the mainstream architectures that they've been right. uh, talking about and say well, let's get this out a year faster but the fact that they're talking about it in this other sense of novelty sort of does uh lead one to the the idea that this might be a, a system that doesn't get commercialized in any broad sense and it just becomes you know like another ibm roadrunner or or something else along those lines um i think that remains to be seen but it certainly wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility on, uh, on what we're looking at. And I think what you said about ARM, I think that's a definite possibility. I mean, we're, they've talked about, you know, Fujitsu's developing their uh, HPC version of the ARM architecture that ARM had uh, had developed and, and is in the process of specifying. So we could get a, uh, a U.S. version of that through, let's say, a Cavium or, or an applied micro to build one of those processors and be one of the contractors on that system. The other possibility is, you know, something like what AMD is doing with their their hybrid CPU GPU technology uh, to to productize that into a high performance chip, and to put that into a system where you, you have this this heterogeneous type uh, architecture, not a not a separate GPU CPU thing like IBM and and NVIDIA doing, but a, an integrated one. Uh, like what AMD is doing, but I think there's, it doesn't even have to be at the processor level. There could be memory technologies, interconnect right. technologies into this that use more conventional processor technologies. So uh, I, I think it's sort of wide open at this point what that would be. But I, I think the bigger question is what would be, what would this novel architecture be in the in the commercial sense? Would it ever right. see the light of day uh, from any of these, or would it be, just be something to to bring a an exascale system to the DOE a year sooner? Well, this is my greatest concern. If I can have a concern, maybe they can address my concern. Maybe I'm spinning up around nothing. But the whole reason we've been talking about exascale rather than exaflops is the idea that we can run real applications effectively at scale on this architecture. The idea of its effective exaflop for particular applications or and not just you know, one uh, non-useful application that I can invent. And it's not going to be just on LinPack either. You're going to be able to demonstrate multiple scientific applications. Now you're coming to me and saying, well, I'll tell you what, we'll get there a year sooner or two years sooner, and we'll use a novel architecture. What's going to be running on it? That's my big question. What's the programming model? How do I use the thing? And, right. you know, I'm, I'm sure you can get to f- the, the exaflop, 
But if you wanted to be calling this the exascale computing project, and we've invested in this word exascale, I want to know things about the software because that to me is the hardest thing about exascale. It's not the power consumption. It's not the networking. It's the programming. It's the software. It's the programming model. So that's my concern. Maybe they've got a really good plan for it, but that's what I would really like to see the most information on if this really is the new course of record. Yeah, and I think from my discussion with Paul, they intend to support the same uh, sort of software platform that they did before as far as uh, supporting applications, the, the software stack that could be part of this. They're going to actually have to bring in some of those activities uh, for the newer system. Now, we should say at this point, the ECP project is not procuring these systems. They're just readying the technology. So right. when the the labs actually do procure them, they'll be ready. And and Paul said they're committed to having this technology ready on the software side as well for that 2021 system. It's not a it's not a rogue system that's going to have to develop its own uh, its own system software or anything like that. They're gonna they're gonna keep the rest of the program in line with that. So they're gonna meet or at least attempt to meet that exascale goal of having an application running at that level, not just a uh, not just a, a benchmark or some artificial uh, or theoretical uh, uh, level of performance on that system. For me, this is one of the, the most important stories to dig into that we've come up with all year. Here we are at the end of the year, and you know, I think this is really compelling. I definitely want us to stay on top of this as, uh, as we roll forward into 2017. We're getting to where... You know, we're we're going to be in the, the next year's 2017 and we're going to turn the calendar over and we're really going to be in the window of we're starting to need to build these things that are that are going to come to market in the exascale time frame. We're, we're really coming up on it. So definitely yeah, something to track. Yeah, and it's something and there's a few other parts of the story that I'll go into uh, in uh, my write up, which is which will appear by the time everybody's listening to this. So uh, check out top 500 and read sort of the entire story about what's behind this, uh, this schedule change for ECP. And there's a couple other interesting aspects to it. But yeah, the, the 2021 uh, update is going to be very interesting. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of discussion about it over the next uh, year as, as, as some of these things get put in motion with these various contracts. Michael Feldman, everybody, on top500.org. Good place to read more details. But for now, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.